it's really difficult to see how the 3-0 is going to be plausible, but I think it's going to be a 3-0. I'm going yeah, to back TDS, it up. Can I get a can I get a half of that copium you got over there? Jeez. Just it's Colombian copium. It's a bit stronger. Oh, what is in that copium? <laughs> That's a little bit more than copium. More like copium right there. <laughs>everybody and welcome to the salt mine this is season two episode nine and we've completed the full run for season two we've gotten nine episodes out for nine weeks of competition and i think that's the best we could have hoped for when we uh when we kicked off split number two so both us and the nacl have made it through 2023 there were some questions about both here and there at, at one point <laughs> or another uh, but we've we've made it through, and the finals will be played on this upcoming Wednesday. So y'all are going to have a little bit more time with the episode, actually, before the action gets kicked off for the next week. So that is always nice to hear. It's going to be a week from day of recording, which is Wednesday, August 2nd. Wanted to kick things off, first of all, talking a little bit about scheduling uh, for how the NACL playoffs have gone. We have erased through this thing in three yep. weeks. Uh, I got Bonfire and TDS here with me to discuss just exactly how the experience has been. I was kind of all in for the six-week regular season, right, where we just get three matches for everybody a week, everybody plays every day, and we finish out the regular season in about six weeks. I was I was on board for that. I think that was a pretty good system. I think we've gone way too fast through playoffs, though. Like, this is not. EG played three <laughs> series against three different opponents in four days, yep. and all of them were elimination matches. This is this is going a little too far for me. And I, I want to hear what you guys them. think. I mean, I I think you know how I feel because when we got into this, I was like, wait, this is it's almost over. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a little insane. I think also you talk about the elimination matches. These are also best of fives for the most part, which are just incredibly draining for these players you'd imagine and for the coaching team uh, coaching staffs i also think realistically it creates lower levels of play because you just don't get as much prep time you know you don't get to overlook the enemy team and see kind of what strategies they like to go towards and so it's going to favor the teams that like to get shot out of the rocket a little bit quicker and uh you know there's not as much counterplay for them until games three four and five when the enemy team can finally start to react but you know, in some regards, that can kind of be too late. And so I'm with you. I also think also as a viewer, it's just exhausting to watch that much League of Legends. I, I love League of Legends. You guys love League of Legends. We cast it for a living. Um, but it is just exhausting to watch that much best of fives, best of threes, elimination matches. And sometimes your favorite team is just, oh, they're out. That kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I would, I'm kind of in the same boat, but more so for the final portion of it, much more so than the rest. Like, I think there's part of it that you can argue it's fine that they go consistently, but I would say the final part of it, which is usually winner's final, loser's semis, loser's final, and grand finals, are the ones that should have a bit more space between them because of, like, the dimension that each of them bring. I would have been completely fine with the way that they, like, played it out if... Losers finals was also the next week. So if they played the just the three the last three teams remaining, they all went to the studio to play the 
the last two matches. I feel like that would be perfectly fine with me, just because it does give more prep time for Fear, it gives more prep time for EGC, and it also gives them a bit of resting time, because even if, I understand the argument would be maybe EGC doesn't have the right to the rest time because they were coming from the loser side anyway, I, I still think that every team probably wanted to have that one more week of rest than just a straight up playing. Like, I, I would argue Fear probably would have liked more to play it next week than this week. So, especially after the conditions that also it came out with the from the tweet of Chochi that they were kind <laughs> of forced out, yeah, like things like that. I think they probably would have preferred to just be playing in the studio one week later with a bit more prep time than just immediately forcing it. But apart from that, everything else kind of fell into place just because there is a maybe a need to try and end things soon enough so that they can try and pan out more details looking into next year if an ACL is going to stay. Yeah, I, I I think that probably makes sense. I think it's also they, they definitely want to free up the studio, right? That's why finals yeah. is getting played on like a random Wednesday. But I agree. It could have been like Tuesday, Wednesday, right? It could have been even like Monday, take off Tuesday, do Wednesday, something like that. Uh, if that's what made sense is... Uh, I also think, I don't are they using the studio for Valorant champs? They might be. I no. don't know if there's a risk of crossing over there. Actually, yes. Yeah. I take that back. I was going to say no, but champs comes up August 6th. So, yeah, no, it starts. Okay. And that's in LA. Champs so is Worlds, right? Yeah, champs well, yeah, is Worlds. Champs is yeah. Worlds. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just way too accustomed to, like, the the world championship being Worlds that it fits yeah. a different name. I get confused. Just yeah. imagine, imagine they're like, sorry, we know we want the Worlds of Valorant to start, but we have to wait for EGC to play. <laughs> we got to wait for King Listen, to get we're the big brother of eSport. You guys wait your goddamn turn. <laughs> It'll be. Hey, based on numbers, I think technically they're pretty close, so... I, I, I wouldn't think, go I, against it. They're I definitely not close to EG to, to no, NACL. I'm actually, but... like, I'm, I'm not even joking. I think I've seen matches from the, like, NA side of things that go around the three the 13,000 uh, viewer mark. Yeah. Like, actually That's close enough to... Obviously, it would be, like, the lowest peak of Valorant to the maybe highest peak of, of NACL. But it's around... Like, I've seen matches that are around the same mark. So, I would argue... You could make maybe an argument here and there. Valchamps will do way better than 13,000, though. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, more than likely. I just want to bring up the point so that maybe people will begin thinking, okay, NACL should be given a chance. It's, just saying. It's doing all right. It's definitely doing all right. Especially when the DSG games are on. With You get the co-streaming numbers from host. That definitely helps us out. Not to segue too far away, but do you guys see the the... The Valorant Chance Anthem that just came out, by yeah, the way. Good. It it's really good. good. It's real good. It's not League of Legends. It's not League know. of Legends, but it's worth a check out. It's good. It's Almost, got, got I, Warrior. It gives Warrior vibes. Uh, yeah, yeah there's was, people I saying was, that it's actually such a good song. Was, like, I, I, was, I was about to say League of Legends has almost gotten too big from its grassroots that, like, you know, nothing against Lil Nas X, but, like, it didn't really feel like an anthem I kind of agreed with. It's a great song, but it almost got too big where it was, like, the big names were more interesting than, like, the real epic songs. Yeah. But Valorant's still Great. so early on that they still are hitting a home, man. Gravitz. I blame Holy the video. Moly. Well, I blame the video. I think this will be... This will be. I know Nyarko really wants to do off-season episodes about like other League of Legends stuff, which I'm on board for. So we'll we'll do sure. something like that. We'll do a we'll do a world song tier list. At I some agree. Point I already have my number one on the show. Yeah, we will. We will. We'll do it at some point. We'll do an evaluation <laughs> of League Agreed. of Legends world songs. I also I really like the idea. I want to do a, like a like a playoffs like hype video tier list. Like I want to go back through the history of the LCS because I still have so many of those that I go back and watch. Uh, 
You know, what about just what about just best worlds ever? I, I think twenty twenty two is the best, to be honest. Ooh. But fair, fair. We got there's plenty of stuff to do in the off season, so we'll find sure. we'll find yeah, ways right. to stay engaged in the algorithm and uh, and you know apologies to people. Honestly, if we go ACL. Technically, if we go broader than NACL, we probably get more viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, then we bring more audience to TDS. We gotta, no, we gotta we... stay true to those who are only here for NACL and nothing we else. We bring them in. We bring in these outside people. And we That's say, right. "Hey, have you heard of this league?" They'll understand. They'll understand. We gotta stay. We definitely. YouTube does not love it if you just completely stop uploading for like six months. So we'll, we'll do our best well, too. We also technically have, uh, or technically not, we also have the relegation tournament. We do, we do. We'll have relegation yeah. too, but we'll still, off season's long, man. Off season starts yeah. to really drag, especially like a month in. So we'll find stuff to make for it. Um, but first and foremost, let's let's get into the playoffs that, that just took place this last week. Um, wow, it re really does actually like, really speaks to how quickly we've run through this whole thing that... We like wild card versus fly quest feels like it was like weeks ago, uh, but it was in <laughs> yeah. fact played on Saturday. Uh, so that was just about four days ago now. I guess as good a place to start off as any fly quest challengers. This is still when the world made sense. This is still when uh, evil geniuses weren't about to play in the finals as the seventh seed. Uh, fly quest well, challengers they take down wild card as expected uh, in a two to one series. So wild card fights back a little bit. Uh, want to hear about our kind of our parting thoughts on this wild card squad before they head out? I think it's a fun squad, and I think that uh, look, they did what they did their best. I, I I'd say um, you can't really knock them. I, I think they were put into a tough situation because even though there's not as much franchise spots as there um, in the NACL as there was before, obviously all these big teams left. There still are the heavy hitters, you know, TL and FlyQuest, and apparently EG. Um, so I, I think that they have a lot less to work with. I don't think Wildcard is known as, like, a big organization. And they also played really, really fun League of Legends. And they had some very, very strong players on their team. We talked about Zamudo and Kiel having incredible times. And I think they made a bunch of our all-pro teams. So I want to give them credit. I think they were a really fun team. And I think that if they can keep their, their core... I think they can make a run at a, a top seeding in the next uh, series or the next regular season. The issue is I just don't think there's any way they can keep their core. I think they're going to get snatched up by bigger teams, which is great for the players. But I think this might be the last hurrah of wild card unless they can continue with their honestly excellent track record of talent uh, recognition. And that's where I want to jump in. I think they should actually not get their core back. Like, this is on my side only, but I don't think they should get their core back. I feel I think the best thing they can do is sell everyone, obviously, up if they can, and just try and keep on recycling the roster as much as possible. I don't know if recycling would be the right word, but, like, just recreating everything from the scratch with new players every time they can. Because I don't think they'll ever be in a spot where... Where, where they will be contesting much higher than they currently are. Like, I think they are one of the teams I, I'm glad that they can get good players when they start, but I don't think they can look higher than just making their players recognizable, if that makes sense. Like, I think they are the team that will put a player on the map, but not the team that will win the championship for that player, if that makes sense. 
I, so I, I feel like oh sorry Rona. no yeah I, I agree with that identity a little bit i just don't like i think they're gonna have no problems holding on to three or four of these players i think like as far as lcs candidates i think it's only really keel and even then, I think Keel's kind of like an outside candidate. I think you would probably be looking towards a Mir. If you have the import slot, you'd be looking towards a UG uh, yep. to try to get them started. Um, you know, I, I think there's a few different uh, names to kick around for LCS. And then it's like, you know, depending on who else on some of the bigger spenders in the league, right? Your DSGs, your Fly Challengers, your TL Challengers, how much their rosters get picked apart will then influence, you know, how many of those teams now want to come down to wildcard. Um, but that's... But even that, like... If, go ahead. Like, just just to add, like, uh, that's thinking if there's still the LCS affiliate teams, right? Because there's sure. a chance that with DSG's success... We see more influencer teams coming. Yeah, well, and then, uh, yeah, And sure. in that and sense, I think I see their players getting snatched out. That's fair. That's fair, yeah. If there's, like, another DSG or two or three more DSGs, yeah, I could see those. But then that's the question, right, is how many of those are there going to be? Uh, is there still going to be, like, a Fly and a TL and an EG yeah. who would be orgs that were willing to pay more? Um because I think you do need to hit some kind of critical mass for that before too much of this wildcard squad is threatened. Because... It's like, because I, I think it's like, if you're going to tear apart a team that's low budget, I think you're looking at fear first. Um, so I think the fear players are probably, on by and large, on a little bit higher tier. Uh, maybe not every single one, but by and large. And yeah, I just don't think these guys are like immediate LCS candidates. Uh, Keel may be an outside chance if an org has been, is like really looking for a, a wild card in the jungle, no pun intended um i think Ooh. you know keel might be that guy it really is no pun intended though that is yeah, what I mean. yeah, like if yeah, you yeah. want a jungle if you want to like go for a more off the wally kind of team where you're willing to pay play like pocket picks and off the wall drafts i think keel's your guy yeah. uh, otherwise i think he probably gets outclassed by some of the other junglers in this in this academy class so well, i also I, I will say i do think i i see your point about keel not to go on wildcard too much because we have a lot to talk about but I actually, I kind of respectfully disagree. I think that Zabudo deserves a shot simply because, you know, I think Kiel's better than Zabudo, don't get me wrong, but the top lane pool in the LCS is rough right now. And we've had that discussion before that it is just kind of wide open. I think there's like an obvious like top tier of like yeah. Fudge and Revenge and Still Impact chugging along. But how much longer are those guys going to hold up, especially Impact? Yeah. Um, and, and then there's just a huge drop off. And then the jungle, I think this is the best jungle class we've seen in the LCS in a very, very long that's, time. Yeah. Also, the, just just as a side note, that's also without counting that XU still is out, by the way. XU, XU, XU and Griffin are out. XU. Where and is Griffin man? are out. Yeah, and, so. I mean, and Griffin training in Korea. And that's kind of where, that like, that's my concern about top, right? Like, I agree with, about Zamudo in a, back, in, in a vacuum, but it's like, Fake God is kind of having a career resurgence. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to look towards that veterancy. Faisal Hopefully. is, I think, probably sitting a little bit of tier above Zamudo. Sniper really? just became of age, is going to become of age to play in LCS next year. Uh, I think he's going to have a big name on him. Uh, a lot of orgs are going to be on the lookout for that guy. Um, so Still yeah, tenacity. I think it's, it's yeah, tenacity might come back. Like there's a lot of there's just a Maybe. lot of names. There's a lot of names and there's not a lot of slots. Um, but as much as we love the guys, to get back into the match itself, something I did want to call out it, that 
disappointed me a little bit, and I I really wish um, I had the opportunity to like talk to somebody on the team about this because it is very strange to me that a team that has had this identity for the whole season long of having the off the wall picks and the crazy drafts and the unique strategies ran it back the exact same draft three games in a row. Uh, they like more so than I think I've seen in a long time. Like they run three games of Gangplank, three games Viego, three games Syndra, three games Rel, and then Lens plays two Aphelioses and one Jinx. So they run the exact same composition three games in a row. Very unexpected for this team, and I wonder if that's like a... They hit a wall, and they feel like, well, this is our best play style, is playing around keel carrying on Viego. This is the only chance we have to beat FlyQuest. We're just going to keep running it. Uh, and hope that we can eke out the two wins we need and they get halfway there. I wonder if it's that or if they their like meta read is like, oh, this this is the best draft in the meta. Like we're getting we're getting the Exodia draft every single game and they keep giving it to us, so we're gonna keep doing it. Because it could really be either. Uh and, and it's one of those things that we you won't really know for sure unless you're in the prep room, right? Yeah. I mean I think it just comes down to when you have a team that is a little bit less experienced, maybe doesn't have that time on stage in the big moments. Um, I think that you kind of resort back to something you think might work. And uh, it happens to like so many teams where they have something that works that's a little bit different and then they go against what they perceive to be the better team. And so they think that they just have to copy it. You see it with the LCK and, and uh, you know, the meta read that the LEC and the LCS try to follow with it. It's just the idea that like, they're better than us. We have to face them at their game. Um, and even though that hasn't been working for, you know, for you, the whole split, you just, you feel like that's what's necessary to win. Um, I can't say for sure, obviously, like you said, it could be the Exodia angle, but I just feel like we've seen it so many times in so many different ways. And basically any, every single sports league in the world where it's, you have your own style of play. And, uh, when you go against someone that you perceive to be better, you just kind of sack that play to just play worse replication of what they play and uh it's kind of sad to watch yeah technically like I, I feel like in league of legends it gets even more like showcased when you're worse than your opponent because even if you're opting into a certain play style there's just simply no like perfect way to try and go against a team that's better than you you have to be like really focused on certain things. You have to outplay them in both macro and mechanical aspects, which is already really difficult because they are technically better than you. And then you have to have a champion that, yes, you may think it's stronger, but even then you get you can just get outplayed because they are better players than you. So it's just such a difficult thing to try and accomplish. I think in League of Legends particularly, I would argue in most video games because video games are pretty straightforward in that sense that the better you are as a player, the easier it is to to just win against everyone. Like I think in the sports uh, nowadays, it's kind of e easier now to try and deny talent just because tactics are much, much trained and better round out. And I think in League of Legends and video games in general, it's much difficult because repetition is something that it's really difficult to accomplish. And I don't think that teams are that like flat out practiced in multiple situations that you would repeat in real sports. That being said, I think that even if where wildcard was looking for something like this maybe it's more so them trying to accomplish something with a certain comp because i think that they in the previous games that they played i think that their style wasn't really showing through before the fly, uh, fly game 
And then looking into the Flyzy game, yes, it was a repeated draft, but I think that was the best showing that Wildcard had all like all playoffs long. Mm -hmm. Even if they failed, I think that was the best actually that Wildcard looked. Maybe a bit because Flyzy was looking shaky, and then we saw uh, against CGC. But for Wildcard, I think that was the best showing. So maybe they, it was them trying to rediscover themselves to a certain degree and try and look into more than what they already showed. It still didn't work out because they lost, but it, like I can see that angle as well, especially as players that are developing, maybe not so much on on Soligo's side. The other four players, you can make an argument that as developing players, they were trying to look for something that for like we were talking about for LCS orcs can be a bit more eye-catchy. That's fair. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to the next series. Evil Geniuses Challengers taking on Team Liquid Challengers. <laughs> wow. I mean, and this, this, so is where, this is where my world crumbles, man. I, I, I guess I've got to, I again have to apologize to Evil Geniuses Challengers here, I guess. I mean, I... <laughs> I was talking again. I was I was soothsaying this team. I was doomsaying to say that this team was gonna get relegated, uh, and they did not. Times. Now they now they really did not end up getting relegated. They did make some changes. Uh, they they have Armeo now, um, and you know obviously the Surdy change. Um, but I was calling for them to get relegated even when they made the Surdy change. So the big come up here for uh, Evil Geniuses. Just to talk about Team Liquid Challengers a little bit, they're still on this early game crap, man. <laughs> this is this is the weirdest thing to me. I do not know what happened to this team in scrims over the last couple of weeks, where they are just like we have like they have the Callista game last week. They have a Draven game this week where they just cannot get anything done early. They go for like one of those Nocturne Kennen drafts that I actually do like quite a bit. Evil Geniuses have been going for those styles of drafts, um, yeah. often with the Nico instead of the Kennen. Uh, but it is like an early game focused draft, especially when you take Ziggs and Jace with it. And like Evil Geniuses just styles on them in both of these games, to be honest. Like, team, th these are. For how early game focused Team Liquid is uh, drafting, these games, they go to 30 plus minutes and they are very low kill count. Um, I mean, just a masterclass from Evil Geniuses at shutting them down. Yeah, this is. Uh, I was just going to say, this is uh, going, you know, almost the opposite in my eyes of the wild card idea, which is going down with the ship. This is how you had built your lead, this is how you had dominated the league. Um, and this is what had made you as a team. And uh, even when it's not working, you just have to hammer it, hard, hammer it home harder and harder. And um, it's almost like you got to find that sweet spot, right? You got to do goalie locks and the three bears for your draft strategy of, you know, we can't be slaves to the meta too much, but we also can't uh, not make any changes. And while, while Wildcard was, in my eyes, too much of a slave to the meta, I think that TL just refused to believe they could lose, and they just were like, well, maybe if we just keep hammering it harder and harder. And EG, like you talked about, it's just the, it's it's when you get into a solo queue game and someone types like, we win late, and it's like, all right, I will sack early game leads if I have to. And uh, they just played super well defensively, and then, like you talked about, they scaled up better. So TL, kind of a, I mean, in my eyes, kind of a spawn diff of just you got to make changes when things aren't working. And uh, when you're not getting early leads, 
and on an early lead comp, you have to switch things up. And the refusal to do so, I think, is arrogance. And uh, I'm going to be super hard on them because they're my boys. Like, I'm a TL fan, and this is coming out of love. But, like, that is arrogance. That is believing you're too bad. You, you're too good to lose, too big to fail. And uh, I think they, they got what they deserved, which is a 2-0 slobbering. I agree. I think, and I'm I'm not a teal fan. I was an EPA fan, not a teal fan, so it doesn't really affect me that much <laughs> if they lose or not, technically. And I I can I try to like put their loss into three particular things that I noticed with the team. The first one that I think that I'm actually surprised how it ended up affecting them, but it, it, when you actually like remember how they were playing some of the early games and some of the compositions in general, was the fact that Kaisa became so prevalent in the meta. Like I think. Arrow isn't capable of playing the Kai, uh, with the Kai's idea really, really well. Not saying that he cannot play Kaisa, more so the idea of how Kaisa is played right now. Which I think in the EG series, like they were just making the, the idea of the Kaisa was much, much better for EGC. And I'm not even sure if it was banned away for by Arrow or for Arrow at some point, but I don't remember TLC actually making use of the Kaisa in, in, in almost any game in the playoffs. Like I, I would have to check the the pick and ban for multiple of the games, but I think I don't remember TLC actually playing Kaisa, if I'm honest. Uh, one of the few teams that I don't, I actually don't remember if they played it or not. So I would like uh, just to quickly check it out because I, I really so don't remember if they did. King plays it in game one and it gets yeah. banned by TL in game two. So they, uh, yeah, how much did they play it in the playoffs before though? They actually did. I they they didn't play. I think they played zero games of Kaisa. Yeah, I actually I can see like they banned it on blue side against Maryville. Um, yeah. yeah, that's actually that's a really interesting call out. It's, I wonder, like in in this current meta, you have to like Kaisa cannot be a blue a blue ban. You have to have Kaisa on your side, or at the very least, the threat of the Kaisa, right? And TLC has no Kaisa threat. So already that's a big issue in a meta that it's so defined around how powerful Kai'Sa is. Then obviously King has been playing amazingly and I think that they, well, King and Smoothie have been playing much, much better looking into playoffs. And I think that they neutralized really effectively the plan from TLC. But already going into the focus, right? Kai'Sa not your your main thing. And then also the fact that Aphilios kind of fell over uh, out of the meta, right? Aphilios was a really big pick for uh, Arrow in the in the regular season. And then going into playoffs, into the last weeks and into playoffs, Aphilios falls over, not as strong as he was before. They cannot play around the safety and the hyper carry value of the pick. They revolve back into playing early game comps, but the early game comps get really easily countered by what the plan from EGC is because, the, and this is where I jump to my other point. I think toppling wise, they were getting so exposed. Bradley, to me, lost out so much against 30. And for, first, uh, I want to make a quick shout out to Gordo for actually putting Sturdy as the number one. Every match that EGC wins, Sturdy looks more like the number he's, one sub lane. He's just better like... than I thought he was. I'm gonna be honest. He is <laughs> like, I, like I don't think if I were to make and I I brought this up a lot during the All Stars uh, episode is like if I were to just make a list of like who do I think the best top laners are. Like if I'm like an LCS GM and I'm looking for a rookie top laner, you know rank rank the NACL tops, how bad do I want them? I would not have had Surdy first coming into this playoffs. Yeah. I might coming out, though. I mean, this guy's Every nuts. match makes him look better. 
yeah every match every match he looks better and better like really one of the main things why EGC is where it is but looking uh, once again talking about the TLC series like that huge difference already that you have in your favor in top lane we're talking about playing around the nocturne cannon comp the, to try and find a lot of value out of it right you cannot really be in a spot where your cannon cannot be a main factor in those games but he really never was i think he just he played around it really well and certainly was one of the main conditions for that the clear the difference between how you see plays with the nocturne comp to how tlc plays it out it's so ridiculous that i, I didn't even recall the fact that they were playing it until I actually like my memory wasn't blocked and I had to remember those bubble games <laughs> and then sadly without trying to imply that he was a huge issue I think Midlane was also a problem but not because he got outplayed by Ryoma but not because Harry was outplayed by Ryoma because I feel like Harry this series was a lacking carry potential something that you desperately needed if Arrow and Bradley really was nowhere to be found like one of the big things that made TL really scary when APA was part of the roster was that even if Mir, Bradley, and Arrow were not appearing, you could see that there was 100% intent on APA to try and carry the game out. Be it with the Cassiopeias, be it with the uh, Aurelian Soul in some situations, but there was always something that you can look for. And that's also something that wasn't just immediately implied into playing the early game. You had hyper carry champions coming in from mid lane. But I think, I feel like that was lacking off Harry. And I'm not sure if it's maybe something on his decision of the team, but I don't want to say like he's like, like uh, APA was a big difference maker because it really wasn't looking like that in the, in the, in the regular season. Like the difference wasn't that Harry was there and APA wasn't just felt like Harry wasn't the carry factor that maybe TLC needed more. Yeah, on the on the EG mid lane point, by the way, I, I do just want to say, I, I think this is as good a point to bring it up as any. I have I cannot think of a time I've seen a team on a run like this, uh, where their mid laner is looks so much weaker than the field. Like it yeah. is, you know. And don't, don't get me know. wrong, nobody, none of them play. You know, uh, Harry, Spyrax, Shochi, none of them play perfect, but I think they all play better than uh, Ryoma for the most yeah. part. It's it is really it, like it's honestly kind of bizarre to see. Like I I'm so used to when teams make runs like this, it is nearly always a mid laner stepping up and making a big difference. It's just the nature of the role, right? They're the center of the map. A lot mm -hmm. runs through mid jungle. A lot runs through just mid as they're as, on its own. It's a big carry role, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a billion reasons you can go into for why mid lane is probably the most important role in League of Legends, um, and yeah, I mean Rioma, you know, he's he's a role player. He's doing he's doing his job sort of. Uh he's not playing as badly as he was during some of the regular season, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's very shocking to me uh that he hasn't needed to step up for EG to find the success that they've had. I think one of the main things that come for that is the fact that the meta right now is Jace, Tristana, Seer. And obviously, off times in Geneva and things like that. Yeah, like champions that you don't need to get a close to actually find value. Jace from Helpless Screen does damage. Tristana, 80 carry, really safe distance that you typically play with. And also the dash, so you can reposition yourself really, really well. Syndra, pointing, well, pointing clicks, you know, but a lot of DC, a lot of damage, 
burst damage potential as well, so you can play around with that. One thing that he's been playing a lot as well, the LeBlanc, where he can reposition himself consistently, so he doesn't, like, he's not in threat by himself just by existing. So I think that that has also helped out for him. And then obviously, I think our Mayo kind of came coming clutch as well for helping out the mid lane. Not like Shaden wasn't doing it, but for Shaden's playstyle, which was aggressive as aggressive as you can get having a mid laner like Ryoma was really counterproductive because he wants to invade Ryoma cannot help you invade meanwhile what you see in the LCS is he wants to invade Jojo pushes the wave gets into the fucking jungle and goes in and goes and kills the jungler with you <laughs> that's how you play with a jungler like Shaden and Ryoma really wasn't doing that meanwhile Armeo is much more think uh, thinking he just thinks about what he wants to accomplish either in his jungle or with his laners, but never pushing the issue way too hard. And for Ryoma, that's the most ideal thing possible. That's it's a well-vocalized point. I think that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I, I, it makes as much sense as anything. I'm, I'm, will, I'm willing to buy in on that for sure. As let, Let's move on a little bit further into the playoffs then. Let's talk a little bit about DSG versus Fear, where we have a 3-2 to two Neck and neck series, reverse sweep coming out of disguised to make it into the finals. TDS, your your heroes are are going to be showing up in LA, uh, and you know it, it, that might have made up all the difference here because I really expected a run back in the finals, but Fear ends up dropping later on. So does get them that berth into the next round. How we feel about this series? I uh, I think it's I I think. Beyond the series, because we're not—I don't think we're gonna have another chance to talk about DSG till the very end. So this is my one chance to talk about DSG as a concept. I think it's great for League of Legends um, because it gets more eyes on the amateur scene, and uh, I think people who follow League of Legends a bit more casually through disguise and through that you know kind of fan base get to see how much fun the NACL is. Um, because it's not so serious. It has pocket picks. It has crazy storylines and interesting talent you can follow. And um, I, there's a reason we're hosting a podcast about this, right? Because we've all bought into it. And so I think it's fantastic just that they ended up winning um, just as a storyline perspective, because I think it's really good for the NACL. Talking about the games specifically, this is just a fear collapse, I, I worry. Um, and uh, I think that this mental boom just completely carried over to their next series, which we'll have a chance to talk about a bit later. But they just did not look like the same team because they looked so great, right? They had those first two games where they looked fantastic, and they just completely mentally collapsed, lost three games in a row, had some time to reflect. They go against the red-hot EGC and just absolutely boom. And so this yeah. really was the nail in the coffin before it got lowered six feet deep. I think that uh, we didn't know it at the time. Like you said, you thought they were going to do a run back, but I'm always the proprietor that mental should not be left out of the equation. And this goes to show that like, if you, if you get reverse swept, there is no way you're thinking about League of Legends in the right mindset, no matter how hard you try, especially as a team like Fear, where you don't have the resources of veterans or coaches who have won multiple times, like some of these other organizations have to, you know, be able to reset that mental and, I just imagine they went into that series against EGC just frayed as hell because they completely blew it in this series. This was their chance to make it to the finals, and uh, yeah, I think that this was it for them. Once they once they got reverse swept, I didn't. I just don't think there was a world where they ever beat EGC. 
yeah i do think you can almost like mental boom wise i think first of all i think a lot of that um it breaks my heart but i think a lot of it does fall on manui you can tell like he's on twitter he's like very much blaming himself for the loss and heartbreaking to see you really hope that uh he can bounce back for this um yeah, I mean, yeah, Shoshi, though, a little bit more in, like, a sportsmanly kind of sense, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, Shoshi's like, man, I could have carried, I could, you know, I I should have been more, you know, I should have been more responsible with The Rock, I should have. There was uh, nuance in how they both I agree, but, like, Minui is very much like, oh, I blew it for the team, it's, yeah. you know, it's all my fault. Like, it's, it's a different uh, kind of vibe coming off from both of them. Um, yeah. and I, I, you know, I, I think, yeah, Manui definitely seems to be taking it hard. Uh, I, I do think, you know, his teammates are telling him he's wrong. I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. I think he had a rough, he had a rough couple of games here. Like, look, man, it's, it, everybody has these moments. It happens. Um, yeah. it doesn't mean you can't bounce back. And I really, I am rooting for him too. Cause I think he's a really unique player in this league. Um, but I do think like you can almost like you can pinpoint, I think the, the mental boom to that one play in game three where, um, um, I'm blanking here. Tomio throws a blind Maokai ultimate in yeah. the mid lane. And that was stares so up, good. Stares up like, Manui's know... Kog'Ma just coming up to farm a wave. And it just <laughs> snowballs out of control. They lose the game from there. Like, I think that Beautiful exact play. play, like, if you just, if you just, you could draw a line through Fear's playoffs at that play. And it's like Manui's never the same after that happens. It's yeah. like when Faker used to clap Korean mid laners that were up and coming and they would never look good again. I feel like that <laughs> happened to Minui there. He, like, he, he, got he got hit by that nature's grasp out of fog that had no business being there and he's not looked the same since so i'm not good at editing but is that the play where where you would like use the simpsons meme where you have like the the i think it was ralph ralph gorgory where his heart breaks so like you put the, <laughs> you the exact moment where fear completely breaks apart and it's minui dying in the mid lane it is yes uh, that's hard and and yeah I, i'm like i don't want to be that guy either but i 100 percent agree the 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 difference between fear in uh, in first two games and the next three games comes off the fact that minu is not playing mages they played six seraphine first second game passed that into playing kogma i think kogma saya and uh kaisa he plays kogma as a mage to be fair uh, fair enough. Okay, it's it's poking it's poking Kogmo and technically poking Kaisa as well. But they are more traditional carries than mages in a sense, and that's and I think you can make an argument it over for that. It was a Zeri, not Zaya, by the way. He plays the oh, Zeri, it was Zeri. In four, but same. You're totally right, though. Yeah. So so Zeri, the more traditional in that sense. So you have those like that difference already in place, though, which I think was also seen in the EGC series, and then. Particularly, I, I, I was, I, I will agree on another thing. I was already, I was ready to shit talk DSG after, after the third, in the third game. I, I was already mentalized that I was going to attack them as much as possible because of how they played that series. Like, I, I, I was doomed. I, I was doomed. I thought it was going to be a 3-0, fear to the grand finals, DSG, you're awful. I don't want to see you ever again. That was my mentality coming into, uh, uh, into the game three. But they turn it around really well. Uh, now I can say other thing, other stuff. Hopefully, a clip <laughs> that that comes out like me, uh, championship mentality, best players ever, DSG best org, toast, hire us, uh, 
things like that, like, or actually sponsor us. Yeah, the, the, those sort of things. But there is a lot of things that you need to that we need to, to say about PSG. And I would say one of them, it's a mental fortitude, like like Gordon's mentioning, like the difference between the two teams really comes down to who has been playing more in this sort of a scenarios. Yeah. And DSG yeah. clearly brought out the 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 mentality, the authority that they have been in these situations before, and they can turn it around. Like I think Cecil had a great series, even though they were losing. I think Cecil was looking great overall. And same for Tomio after the, in the thing in the third game. Yeah, I, I think that um, just going back to the original point about championship mentality, I think that's also the difference between uh, you hear this a lot for really every esports league, but it's having emotional players and having play, you know stabilizing players. You need the emotional players because if everyone's stabilizing, then a loss doesn't matter and a win doesn't matter, and why even play, right? You want to get hyped for the big moments, and mm-hmm. I, I do think that snowballing is a real thing you know like you if you like dsg you know they i'm sure they have somebody on their squad who is going to get hype and who is going to bring the team back and rally and all that stuff but you need those stabilizing players and i think that you look at the fear squad and we were talking about it earlier of like sochi and manui whether it's the sportsman you know defeatist attitude or it's the self deflection defeatist attitude i think that it's obvious that they maybe don't have that um, player on their team or, or if they do, they didn't do their job well enough to just be like, don't worry guys, we got this. Let's just take a breather. You know, you still have three games to just win one. And um, I think that going back to the idea of DSG, it's obvious that it's obvious that this is a squad constructed with that in mind. You know, this is a team that has won a championship. They obviously know what each of their roles is. They've been together for a while and it almost makes me feel even better about DSG watching it because you're right, like the championship mentality, it reaffirms the belief in DSG over EGC because it's like, look, if they can go down 2-0 and reverse sweep, it's obvious that you know everyone knows their roles and people can calm each other down and hype, hype each other up. And so um, I don't think it's anything against fear. And I actually think it's a fairly easy fix where it's you figure out what those roles are, assuming they retain the same roster. Yep. Um, but they have to figure it out because they have the talent. I think that's undeniable at this point. This is a talented squad. Even after losing, you know, some players in the off season, they still looked incredible this season. Brought it almost all the way to the finals. Um, so it's obvious that it's obvious that the talent is there. They just they need to refine those roles and they need to figure out where their mental lays in these high pressure situations. Called the Harry effect. No offense to Harry, but you know, <laughs> it's, light's too bright sometimes. You need to find someone to calm you down. It's like technically looking at it in the whole like spectrum of the year, right? They ended fourth in spring and third in summer. So you can see it like an upwards trending curve, right? The fact is that they did end higher than in the previous one, and they were one game away from getting to grand finals and ending top two. They've lost, I would argue, you, you obviously, it was four-game series against CGC, could have gone to five, but both the splits, pretty much their season was pending, it was depending on the on the BO5 to try and, and secure their spot. So if your baseline or your line is losing BO5s, I think that's something that it's workable. The more you play, the, the more you play in these situations, the easier it'll become to go over them. So I think at the very least, Beer, eventually they are able to keep the roster, should be able to manage it out. That said, I hope they don't keep the roster. I don't want to see Shochi in Academy next year, for the love of God. 
that's my whole point there. <laughs> agree, agree. One other thing about this series before we move on, uh, just because I think there's a lot of... I do agree with what TDS was saying about, you know, being ready to just blame it all on DSG and, like, really have some flame out there just to get one highlight of that flame out of my system. Uh, I think there's so much narrative behind Fake God uh, that history will remember this series as a great fake god performance because i think he does come back in he has some good fights in game number three and then i think he performs solidly in games four and five but there is definitely a world where like that pick on minui never happens and you know minui gets picked like three times in a row to lose that game three like the, but there's a point yeah. where since he fear or like Shochi and uh, Philip are both just slamming their lanes. They're taking towers, and Fear is like four or five k gold ahead. Like there's, there's mm -hmm. definitely a world where Cincy Fear just like snowballs that game three to a win and takes the series three zero. And in that world, I think like Philip's my player of the series. Like I think he yeah. just fires off like three really really solid Renekton games. He holds down Fake God excellently. Uh, Fake God's never really in the game. Not on the Aatrox. Not on the Jacks. Um, and, uh, yeah, they just kind of run away with it. And it's not really in those first three games, like Shochi plays solidly, but it's not like, it's not the solo Shochi show. It really is like, I think Philip taking a lot of control over top lane. That's a huge reason they win game number two. Uh, it's a huge reason they're so ahead in game number three. Uh, he plays well in game number one as well. Uh, even though Shochi's like pick on the Meech is what really solidifies it. It was a, you know, and praise to Philip for that, um, but also, like, acknowledgement towards, like, you know, I, Fake God does not look like he's, like, standalone, best top in the league right now. Not like he did in spring. Honestly, I really like the fact that that's the case. Uh, overall, even after the loss, I think it's pretty clear that Faisal, Surti, Fake God, and Philip were looking like the top four top laners. And they were battling uh, in multiple stages. You could argue they were battling battling it out to be the number one. And I think that's a really positive outcome. You have four potential top laners that are looking really bright. And yes, two have come down from the LCS, but it's not about coming down and just staying the same. It's about trying to improve on your game. And I, I like I was a doubter of Philip. I think Philip in playoffs was amazing. I think he performed really, really great. Brought it to multiple top laners that were in our All Stars technically ahead of him. And at the end, if they lose, if fear lose out, obviously this always kind of fall into a blame game situation. I would, I could never pinpoint any sort of blame into Philip because I think that he not only played great, he was doing such an important role in multiple games to be that extra linchpin following up, following up on what Shochu was accomplishing. I would say I think Shochu was slamming a bit harder than Gordo kind of brings here. I think he was outperforming Young in in a really big manner, but certainly Philip was doing something similar maybe even better against fake god which i put as my number one top laner so really goes to show how well philip performs fair enough fair enough so with that said let's let's move on let's get into the lower bracket a little bit because we're we're eating, inching up on time here so let's get through these last two series and, and talk about the, the finals a little bit um fly challengers versus evil geniuses challengers now we're we're repeating teams now so we're going back into teams that we've already discussed this is an interesting one for me. This is the one where I feel like I really start to get a read on EG's, like, identity more broadly. Um, they get to bring out the Nocturne again in this series, and I think this is where it really, like, 
the Nocturne, or the Armeo Nocturne is, like, going to be such a big pick in this final. Um, it's yeah. so dangerous. Rip. They play it with the Nico mostly, but to be honest, Rioma's Nico doesn't even look that good. I think he could, <laughs> I don't even think it's necessary. Like, I think Armeo is just piloting it at a super high level. He has great knowledge of, like, what kind of scenarios he can create out of the ultimate and the vision denial and has been doing a fantastic job. And King is just, like, a freaking monster. Um huge on the Zaya. You gotta deny him the Zaya Rakan, uh, but when he's on the Kaisa, he's also nuts, and it feels like they, that teams just cannot put together drafts that deny this stuff away from EG. Yeah, this is, like, this is, for my traditional sports fans out there, 2016 Cavs performances right here of just, like, Armeo is LeBron, and King is Kyrie Irving, and the rest of the team's just doing enough, right? Realma's just doing enough. Surdy actually would be Kevin Love, I suppose. Like, still very good, but not nearly as good as the other two. And the rest of the team's just doing enough, and they're on this insane run because they have this roster of these two superstars. And I think that this is where we start to see them become unleashed. First of all, Armeo is a man possessed um, and is pissed at the world. And uh, I, if I'm shade and I'm concerned about a knock on my door in the middle of the night with Armeo standing over me with a knife. Um, looking for my roster spot back. And uh, yeah, I think King deserves another shot at the LCS. But yeah, no, this was an unbelievable series. It's really sad for Fly, just because I think it's kind of the same TL thing where it's just like, it just didn't show what we saw on the regular season. But I think even more than that, it's like you said, EGC just cementing home their strategy, the way that they like to play. And the fact that they have LeBron F and James and Kyrie F and Irvin on their team doing incredible work. See, remember when I said that I was ready to just dump everything onto DSG after uh, during that game three because I was sure it was going to be a 3-0? I can come in and dump everything into Fly C because I had full belief that they were going to come back into the grand finals, but they just got completely, utterly outplayed and destroyed by EGC's plan. And I feel like we're not giving enough credit to, uh, to Smoothie in the whole playoffs run. Like, it's... Interesting that the way that they play with Armeo's Nocturne because of the way that they neutralize Vision. But in a lot of the series, it's playing around also the fact that Smoothie has an engager that is finding a flank. And even if they don't have the Vision denial from the Nocturne, they have Smoothie finding the play with a flank. And I think that that's so crucial to the to the multiple fight uh, winning fights for EGC. Because yes, Ryoma may not necessarily be that impactful with champions like the Nico. But he's still doing damage to a certain degree in certain instances. But it's the way that fights happen when Smoothie find those flanks that really make it happen. Like the fight in the game four, right? The the game winning fight for EGC in game four where they pick up Masu starts with Masu horribly positioned and Smoothie finding an angle where he's forced into a bad arcane shift. He does an arcane shift over the wall, has to go over, I think, with a flash, and that just essentially kills him because Surdy finds the perfect angle to kill Masu. That, I think, it's a play that it's perfectly created, a bit by Ryoma, but mainly by Smoothie. And if that doesn't happen, Masu, I, I'm not sure if Masu dies like that easily in the game. So I feel like we're we're kind of lacking on praise towards Smoothie in the playoffs run. I feel like he's been doing such a good job with those flank angles and initiation tools. And then now for the real dumping into Flycy. And this is going to hurt, I, I feel... Like to a couple of people that have been hyping him so much, and I think he deserves a place in the LCS 100%. But this was such a bad series by Masu. 
I feel like this has to be one of the worst series he's played, I would argue, all year long. Even with the ping issues. I feel like this has to be one of his worst series so far. Uh, like, he's the hyper carry. But hyper carry was on the other side of the map. It was King hyper carrying way better than him. So really questionable series. I think he's going to, to bounce back. I still think that he should be LCS bound. Really, there's no reason to keep him down here in the NECL. But it's a questionable series to look over, and I hope that he learns from multiple things that he really did badly. Particularly the game four, I think, was awful for Mazu. The game four is the one they win. Oh no, the game three is the one. No, they win. that's the as well. Yeah, yeah it's right. the as well one. That's yeah. like the one. It's the one B two. It's the one B two against Kaisa for no reason at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never mind. Yeah, you are correct. Yeah. Correct, Mundo, on that one for sure. Um. One other thing I want to call out here is, like, <laughs> I don't know if this is just the EGC, the Armeo special sauce, or what's going on, but this, uh, that game, I think, is it game four? Or is it game, I think it's game two. I can't see dragons. Yeah, I can't. Okay, it was game two. Uh, they do this against both Team Liquid. This is how they win the game one against Team Liquid, and it's also how they win game two against Fly Challengers, uh, is... They just have this thing where when Soul comes up, they like are just bailing on it at right as the other team's setting up and going straight to Baron. And it's it, obviously yep. that's not a play that like Evil Genius has invented, but it's one that they like see really well rehearsed at and have executed at a super high level uh, multiple times in this playoff. So I don't know, just something to look out for in finals. Watch out for DSG if they're going for Soul Point. <laughs> for watch for evil geniuses. <laughs> watch for evil geniuses to just take the Baron out of nowhere uncontested. They've gotten like four uncontested yeah. Barons this playoffs or something. It feels like in the Fear series there was one like what well, like that was really really obvious that I remember that I was so pissed that Fear just let it happen. But yeah. the second game actually now I, like I legitimately blocked it off my mind. The second game way that that Flycy lost the game out because. In that game where, where we're talking about the trades, I actually thought, okay, it's fine. EGC trading Baron for the soul is dumb. I, th I think the, the second game soul was more important because I think it was Mountain Soul, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. So trading Baron for soul in that game, I was I, I thought EGC is doomed because they didn't get anything with the Baron. Don't get me wrong. I think the, the way that they're playing around it was fine. But that particular game, because the, the Baron didn't achieve anything, like typically you won with the Baron at the very least, open up the base, right? That way you can threaten more objectives and more spaces in the map. But because they didn't open the base up at all in that in that game with the Baron buff, I thought EGC was 100% sure to win because they already had the Dragon and they were setting up for the next Demon one. Fly. But then, uh, like, I, I had blocked the play of my mind. The Juji engage into yeah. Spyrex, not, uh, no. Yeah, that, that, yeah. so they lose, yeah, they lose that game because uh, Yuji dives in and Moonfalls is Diana and Spyrex uh. just doesn't press ultimate on Yasuo. Um, and he was in range, by the way, in range. He was in range, he, yeah. He uh, I've, I've watched that play a couple of times. I think Spyrax is just not looking at it. Um, which, I mean, might be on Yuji, too. It might just be like, you. I don't know, Yuji might not be like saying I'm looking for it, but I don't know. Those plays are split second. Blame it on whoever you want, but yeah, the fact that those things do not come together is unacceptable on a Yasuo-Diana composition. That is the only thing your comp yeah. does, and that is why they lose that game. I agree. It's not the Baron sneak. It's the botching of what could you know, have been a sick engage like i remember i was so i was so mad because i was also obviously watching through twitch and, and like there were multiple multiple comments like see baron better than so i was like 
Yeah, no, of course it's better when you don't play, press R with your Yasuo-Diana combo. Of course it's going to be better, I guess. Like, I was fuming so much in that game. Ah, Flycy, I hate you so much. It's a rough one. I hate you. All right. Let's get into uh, the final series there. Uh, Cincinnati Fear up against Evil Genius' Challengers. Uh, EG, they carry it through once again. I do want to call out, like, it's... Again, like, especially the game one feels like Fear drifting away from their identity a little bit. Uh, Shochi Zed gets to go crazy in game number two. But all in all, it's just... It's still the King show, baby. King is on a completely different level even in the game they lose he is crazy in this series what are they what are they feeding this guy this week i do not know but he's he's a man possessed in this playoffs yeah i i think um king has earned our respect i think also like people just kind of forget how good of an ad carry he was i remember when there was a legitimate conversation of is this the future of the cloud nine bot lane like is is he coming for sven's spot when sven was still really good on that team so the fact that everyone just kind of forgot slash king kind of fell off the face of the earth for a year and a half um has just contributed to this insane like man i forgot how king how, how good king was he also might be hitting his peak right now. Like, re realistically, this might be the best king we've seen. But either way, I still don't think this is the best king could be, which is scary to think about. Um, and I will just reinforce my belief of, like, king should be a starter on the LCS on an LCS roster. And it would be foolish if a team didn't pick him up. Because I think that a lot of these really flashy and good AD carries still have a pretty low floor, just because they have a lot of unknown quantities. King has LCS experience, has had time in a lot of these top rosters. And I think that this is him saying, you know, screw you guys. You forgot about me. I'm back, baby. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the crazy thing about EGC, the final thing I'll say about this before we go into the finals that, you know, that I want to talk about is um, that EGC have, EGC have won. They're eight and two in their last three. These aren't close matches. These are rubbings they are absolutely slaughtering everyone in front of them like they are on a roll um and so i'm afraid for dsg but i'll go into that you know once we finish talking about this i'm being honest it shouldn't have been even a 3-1 in my eyes i think it just Agreed. should have just 3-0'd fear yeah. in all honesty even though it was this close to being a three uh five game series because i think that four, the fourth game was actually the best game that fear played all series long even though they won the third one, I think the fourth one was their best game, actually, just because of how they were playing around it. And also Minui playing with... Uh, I think, once again, going back to it, Minui playing mages really gives an extra edge to, to Fear in my eyes. Because it not only like it's not only making him have value things to blowing up his combo. I think this is something we talked about last week, right, Gordo? Where one good thing that Minui fi uh, is able to do with playing mages is the fact that you just get one combo out, but a, a combo in the mage uh, as a mage is more valuable than just three out attacks in an AD carry. So at the very least, even if you die, you can actually do something uh, while dying. And it also opens up for your soul lanes because they play a lot of 80, 80 kind of mid laners or 80 kind of champions to go into that. Obviously, Renekton, Jax, Shochi with the action, with the set, Yoni as well, potentially. So I think that it opens up a lot for the team. But... Even if it was looking like that, realistically, it should have been a 3-0. EGC was the clear better team. I think Armeo was the better jungler, even though I think Perry's great. I think Armeo was much better in the jungle than him. And then, bot lane-wise, it was a complete stomp. Like, 
I already thought that the stomp that in the in the Fly C series, King and Smoothie were doing amazing, and they were not only going head to head, but even outplaying Masu and and Winsome to a certain degree. I think in this game it was much more clear the bot lane diff, and it really really impacted a lot of how the game ended up going. But I also feel like there was a chance that EGC maybe getting a bit exposed with the series, especially looking into the grand finals. Just because I do think that they depend way too heavily on, on well, in, in a good way, on Armeo and Smoothie finding the perfect angles, to quote-unquote call it that. It's not necessarily perfect, but quote-unquote call it that. And if they don't find those sort of angles, team fighting becomes so impossible for AGC. Like, legitimately, they have to find this, these specific angles to play the game, because if not, they cannot, like, put themselves in a ball and try and fight it out. Like, they lose it out. And I think that that was one of the big mistakes that Fear didn't recognize. They were multiple times trying to play in spread positions, where if they just try to play much together, trying to deny the angles for AGC, they probably win out more fights. Yeah, I, I think some of that's the nature of their drafts, though. Like, I think Surdy's always on the Gwen, or, like, Surdy's on an yeah. Aatrox in this game, too. And it's like, those aren't the kind of champions that can really get the fight started. Even the Renekton and the Jax and stuff, like, those need to find their own flank angles to really be starting fights. So you do kind of put that onus onto, uh, I mean, oftentimes onto the support and the jungle, uh, depending on the picks that are coming through. You know, if it's the Nocturne for Armeo, then yeah, obviously, you know, you expect him to be. But typically, Smoothie, for example, is for or Force Knot. He's typically on Rakan duty. And yeah. like, with Rakan, it's uh, quite easy to actually find those angles. Yeah, he's on Rakan so, duty full time for sure. So I see, I see that. I see it's that. It's a lot of sure. that. It's mainly like not obviously not implying that he just he cannot play in any other way, more so that I feel like most of their success comes from the fact that. They've been allowed into those situations. Yeah. And I, I obviously I think it's prepped on their side of AGC. But if they get denied those sort of initiations and those sort of angles, which I think a team like DG DSG can can make happen because of their experienced players, could be a bit difficult of a task for AGC to actually come into the finals. Or, or at least in my eyes. Yeah. So let's just get into the finals then. Let's let's talk about it. Um what are what are our predictions going to be? I, I guess I'll start us off. I I think I'm going to be predicting EGC for this. I think I'm going to take EGC three to one here, um, and I I think it comes down to just the crazy role that they are on across the board. Uh, I think especially like King and Smoothie are just performing at a very high level for a bot lane, and I don't think the laning out of Meech and Zazel has been their strong suit throughout most of the season we've talked about that like they can come through in the later game fights but i don't think the laning has been crazy i already talked about how i've been a little disappointed in fake gods run throughout playoffs and kind of throughout all of summer since the first round robin um and i think 30 is is absolutely nuts uh i think armeo is like a top half lcs jungler like it's kind of almost unfair that he's here um hmm. so i think it, for dsg it's really gonna have to come down to Young and uh, um, Young and Tomio having a fantastic game plan uh, as a duo uh, to try to play around Ryoma and, and somehow like get the better of Armeo, but he is just like he's gonna be the smartest guy in the game like every time uh, probably competing with Zazel there. So it'll be a really cool kind of shot calling battle in that sense. But the form EGC are showing us is just completely different than i think what we've seen in the nacl so far this season and i think i'm actually gonna pick them to win 
Yeah, I'm going to go... Oh, sorry. I was no, going to... I'll go quick. I'll go quick. I, I I think I've just got EGC as well in three two fashion. I think that this reminds me a lot of the um, last split where there was this team that came out of nowhere. Obviously, last split it was Dignitas versus a team that was a favorite, which was obviously Cloud Nine. The difference was Cloud Nine just looked kind of unbeatable, and Dignitas was. I mean, they they found their way into the finals, but it wasn't easy. They had to beat Team Liquid on a very good run, and it it just was hard. And they ended up making it a competitive series, but obviously they did end up falling to Cloud9. I think that this is the opposite of that, where it's that it's actually DSG that needs to be afraid because of the run that EGC is on. I do think they still take it to two games solely because they are such a strong team. And obviously you talked about Realma can get abused in the mid lane and as, as unimportant as mid has seemed in this run... It's not a weak role, and uh, you know I think there's a world where Young just does insane things. So I've got it in three two, but I still think I'm with you. King, Surdy, Armeo, honestly, Smoothie, like you talked about TDS. I'm not giving him enough credit. Rioma is also there sometimes. Like that is a team to be reckoned with. Kind of feel so. I kind of feel bad that we're not giving actual plays. Rioma's whole career in this in this region has been getting memed on. Um, but he's there. He, he's there in the finals for a reason. Yeah, Rioma, some reason that I don't know. But he's well, there. the reason is that he's on EGC. <laughs> Rioma has had ample opportunities to take over and be an LCS caliber player, and has never made the leap. True. All right, like I'm sorry, Rioma. You're I'm sure you're a very nice person. He's been way um, better at this level before, though, than he is right now. I will say, yeah, like he's had true. he's had stints on like Hundred Academy and stuff where he was like. He played Among good us. in the 100 Thieves LCS roster. Like, when he subbed for in that for... Uh, say, when he subbed in for Devante years ago. But, like, yeah, I'm sorry, Rioma. Look, man, I just am not going to give you credit because I just don't think you have the chops to make it to the LCS. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Sadly, well, sadly not. But here is the thing. I'm kind of already stuck with the DSG prediction because since the start... I already called out DSG being the champions. I, I I said it when we started our playoff run, and I was going to stick with it anyway because I think that they are going to be champions. I still back them up, and I feel like they are the better team over EGC. And here's where you guys might be surprised because I think it's going to be a 3-0. I'm going to call it a year. 3-0 for DSG. And what? one of the main reasons why I think it's going to be this ample of a difference even though i think that armeo may come in as a crutch in trying to make my prediction happen i will put all my belief and i actually think that this is the place where i where i think he's going to not only deliver but carry dsg to the grand uh, to the championship young is going to dumpster the living hell out of uh, out of rioma that, that's already the thing that's why i don't even though he doesn't receive praise, I don't think he's going to receive praise here because he's going to get destroyed by Young, in my eyes. And then also, even though I do think I do agree that King and Smoothie have been a pretty much the best bot lane so far in the playoffs, I uh, like there's barely any argument to really go against it. I think Mitch and Sazel will do a really good job at not allowing them to be a huge factor early on. Because one thing that even though I I, I think uh, Smoothie King bottling has been great. They are not a hyper aggressive, hyper in your face bottling. They they were they were consistently pushed into turret by Masu Winsome. And even 2v2 traits, 
weren't their strongest, I, I would say, uh, strength going into, into those games. It was more so after laning phase, how just they completely outplayed almost everyone out there. And I think that in that sort of a scenario, Mitch actually is going to be able to put a good fight into King. Because I don't think that Mitch, is, Mitch can fight in the laning phase. But out of it, he's really been finding his stride. And I think that DSG has allowed them to really find their angles and allow the AD carry to actually play team fights really, really well. And then Cezal, I think he's going to deliver the team fights for DSG. It's really difficult to see how the 3-0 is going to be plausible, but I think it's going to be a 3-0. I'm going yeah, to back TDS, it up. Can I get a can I get a huff of that copium you got over there? Jeez. Just it's Colombian <laughs> copium. It's a bit stronger. Oh, what is in that copium? <laughs> That's a little bit more than copium. More like copium <laughs> right there. Holy hell. <laughs> I can, I can I want to believe. I do. I do actually. Just just cuz of the I names don't. on these rosters, I think. It's like I think Surdy has like a bright future um potentially making it up towards lcs i think you could get some consideration towards king as well um yeah but i think it's like i think armeo's already earned his respect like i think he was a top half lcs jungler this split i think he'll be back next split regardless of what happens in this final um but yeah the dsg guys they just got so much potential up there i want zazel to make his way back um i want young and meech to get their way up there so i i would love for them to come out with a huge showing here and, and make themselves undeniable um it's just not what I'm seeing on the rift. I think that uh, or yeah, that or make it so that DSG can get a spot in the LCS actually, and we get more content over there. Yeah, they're... can't wait to watch DSG versus Mr. Beast Esports in week seven of the LCS. That's gonna be a that's that Patreon's gonna have to fatten up quite a bit <laughs> for that LCS spot. I'll tell you that much. Oh jeez, I'm I mean I'm, I. The Immortals needs to sell, so I don't care who picks it up. DSG, McDonald's, just get Immortals hey, out. We're already here, one team out. We're already one team less since DSM is going away, so. Yeah, it's true. The, it's the true. spot is open. We'll see. Yeah, spots spots for sale. I don't know that it's open. It's for sale. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm still, I'm still projecting Sentinels for that one, but we're at about an hour and ten minutes here, so we've got our predictions locked in for the final. Two for EGC, one for DSG. You want to tune in on Wednesday. In-studio, by the way. This is going to be the first in-studio... Uh, first in-studio series, I suppose, for a few of these players. Probably first in-studio gameplay at all for Meech and maybe Surdy. I think that's probably... I would say Young might have well. been Young, young sub for Golden Guardians and LCS, though. Oh, right. So he, he actually played, played in for LCS. The question is if they played Collegiate or not, but I don't think they did. Well, even if they played Collegiate, do you have to make, like, C-Law, like, you have to make top four to get to play in the LCS studio. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say Surdy, I'm 100% sure Surdy not. Surdy like, has it. Surdy's first year of Collegiate will be this coming year. He actually just signed. Yeah. He just... Uh, Holy so moly. There's no chance. Yeah. He just got... Well, he, not because he's so young, but because he's not that young. Oh. Uh, he's He's been eligible before. He just... Uh, I don't think he's gone to college yet, but I think he's... After losing the TL first position and not immediately getting picked up, I think he, he took a scholarship somewhere. And now, you know, maybe he'll drop it if he gets an LCS offer or something. But I don't know. Where did he... Where did he take his deal? He, Maryville. 
he he just announced. He just announced he's going. UCLA. So. <laughs> I mean, just hit, just go to UCLA, Copium, and then you know you can play LCS on the weekday after school. True. Did he even? Did he not even retweet it? Did somebody else? Did the college announce it and Surdy didn't even like retweet? I it? love dude. Surdy is such an enigma. I love him so much. He just comes in, salvages a team from relegation, gets them to, to play. Saves an organization, goes Converse to college, University. uses the Converse leverage. University. Converse? Yes. You've got to be kidding me. They named That's the university true. after shoes? I don't think it's named after the shoes. Um, <laughs> I could be wrong. Uh, it's in Spartanburg, South Carolina. That is not a real university. You're making that up. It is. Well, it, I, it is because I've seen them play. I, I actually have seen them yeah, play. It's a so private. It is, it's a private you know. university in South Carolina, established in 1889 by a group of Spartanburg residents and named after textile pioneer Dexter Edgar Converse. Of course. Or, you want to just pivot this podcast to be about <laughs> Southern history? I'm down. <laughs> I've I've only got this Wikipedia snippet, so we're yeah, we're gonna call it off there. <laughs> what was that TDS? I don't think it's fair with the non-American. In all honesty, yeah, well, that's true. yeah, like we're gonna like we're Very gonna be able to make up the difference. Yeah, like we have all the expertise. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we'll leave it there. Best of luck to Sardi at Converse University if he um if he uh ends up going and doesn't get LCS offers, but. We'll see how that plays out. Best of luck to him in the finals and put all 10 players on to the LCS stage. We'll see how they end up performing, and we'll be back to break it down and start talking about the promotion tournament that's going to be coming up afterwards. But thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Until then.